Well, good morning, everyone. This is Jim Conley, guest host of the Succeed Name Key podcast. You know this podcast. It's the one that you go to for all of your information about teaching anatomy and physiology, everything McGraw-Hill education, anatomy and physiology related, and just the general happenings in the a and space, if you will. I'm excited today to be here with you and we're going to mix it up, as you can tell, with me being on the show, it is mixed up a little bit, but we're taking a little page out of a friend of ours book. Uh, the friend is Michael Coat. You all know him. He's been on the podcast a number of times. He's a great teammate of ours, but he's always said to me, sometimes you just have to flip the script. And I absolutely love that. He's helped me a lot that way on uh, flipping the script and really thinking about things differently. So we're going to do that today. So that's why I'm on the show as the host just for today. And I get to interview my special guest, the one and the only host of this show, CNAP, Valerie Kramer. Valerie, how the heck are you? Thank you, Jim. Oh, it's so great to have you back on Succeed and because you are, as you know, the original founder, and we are so excited. Uh, it's always fun to talk with you, and I think this is going to be a, a great opportunity to flip the script. So thank you for this idea, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Well, Valerie, you've heard me say this a lot, but they – always say sequels are better. You are the best host of this. So even though I started it, you've made it so much more better. And I appreciate that. Uh, and all the great work that you've done here in anatomy and physiology over the last couple of years has been amazing, which is why we wanted to flip the script today. Perfect. So here's what we're going to well, do, have... Valerie. Okay. Oh, yeah. So let's do it. So here's what we're going to do. I know I've been watching since COVID-19 hit in you know, really February, March, March is really where things got dramatically different for every single one of you out in the market that teaches anatomy and physiology. That really changed like that time frame. And one of the areas that I've watched Valerie and her teams uh, really excel at is providing a lab experience for all of you that are teaching online labs for the first time. And that's what this show is going to be all about is I want to talk to Valerie about some of the things that have worked well, some of the things that maybe haven't worked out, and then what are some of the good nuggets that we want to pass along to you, you know, in the event that you haven't quite uh, dipped your toes, if you will, into the online lab school. So, Valerie, I'm going to start with the first question, and that is, based on your experience, what are the three things that you would recommend to anyone who is moving their lab online for the first time? Oh, that's a great question, and we know that this has been a challenge and a fear even uh, when this whole online transition happened earlier this spring. And I would say there are three important things that to think about. Uh, and number one is really to determine whether you're going to do asynchronous or synchronous. So do you want to spend time with your students during that time that you typically would as they perform the lab? Or is it better spent time doing the labs on their own and then reporting back? So I think this is a really important decision as you begin to build the labs portion of your course. Uh, so you can just be all on the same page. And one of the things I have heard is that if you have adjunct instructors, just make sure you relay that information on how to best organize the lab time. So no matter what platform you're using, uh, now that you're not physically in the lab, how will you best have that time? So yeah, so number one, determine whether you're going to do that asynchronous or synchronous uh, activity or platform organization of your, your lab time. 
Number two, I think, is the platform. So decide what's going to be best for you and your students, whether it's videos of you performing the lab or digital simulations, maybe a combination of both. And we know there's several things out there, including plenty of YouTube videos. So I think be sure to look for tools that are accessible for all students, um, realistic in nature, so they don't feel like they're just doing some kind of cartoon animation. Um, and ultimately, that they're mobile-friendly and user-friendly uh, for both you and your students. I think the mobile-friendly component is we have heard that students don't always have the tools that they need. Maybe they're using a lab or a, a tablet, rather, sometimes even their phone, although it's not most ideal. And of course, the accessibility component. Um, and I recently read that uh, based on the World Health Organization, more than 15% of people worldwide have some sort of disability, which means more than 1 billion across the world have accessibility challenges online. So making sure that the tools will work for all of your students, I think, is also important when you're looking for that. So synchronous or asynchronous, the best platform for you and your students, and then finally, communicate. So no matter what you choose to do, uh, as long as you are communicating both to your students and those adjunct instructors, if you have them, um, just to be sure to set and share those expectations. So that's a long Valerie, three, but. <laughs> yeah, that's a long three, but th those are, I think, really important things. And then here's the, the takeaway that I have from hearing those three for the first time. Valerie, you could be using like that whole methodology or three tips whether you're using our technology from McGraw-Hill Education or anything else, which is great. Yes, absolutely. And, I, and I'm shocked, Valerie, when uh, you mentioned that statistic with accessibility. You know, I know we've been really focused on accessibility for a long time, and it's really important. But to hear those numbers, that is really staggering. Yes, and it's just important to keep that in mind because we want people to learn the content and we don't want them to have to learn necessarily the actual platform we want them to learn the content so making sure that the platform gets that content across is is extremely important yeah now even though i said you can use other technologies out there i know you also do have <laughs> some wonderful products that help people right valerie absolutely yes and on that note our virtual labs which we did launch a little early in March uh, for the transition to online, uh, but we do have them live in all of our updated courses as of May 1st. And this is a second generation product, the virtual labs, and they do, they are very accessible. And we recently had a VPAT, which is the documentation that goes with any digital product uh, that you might need to share with your administrations and that type of thing to note the accessibility components of the program. So it turned out really pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, the VPAT, that's a pretty significant thing. And I know at the end of the show, you'll be talking about how people can reach out to you for more information. So we'll revisit that later. Um, but one thing I also wanted to ask you, I know it's interesting to start off with question number two this way, but what are some of the mistakes that you see faculty make you know, when they're moving their labs online for the first time? Oh, uh, yes. And really, there's just two that stand out. And I think one of them, well, other than the fact is take a deep breath and 
we're all gonna, um, we, there is a way to do it. So there have been instructors who've taught online for years. Uh, and we actually have some people that have done that that can share some information. Actually, we had a show in, in March, or maybe it was early April, with Nahil Awadala, who is an extremely just awesome and very efficient and proficient instructor that if you haven't heard that show, that's a great one to go back and listen to. But um, other than that, other than just take a deep breath, <laughs> uh, one of the mistakes I would say is that just really having a lack of resources. And this isn't necessarily a mistake, but just something to be aware of that we know that all students aren't working. Maybe they don't have a computer or a laptop and they're trying to use their phones or their tablets to do some of these assignments. And although we recommend for all of our programs using a computer or laptop, most of the McGraw-Hill platforms are available with an app or can be used via the browser on a phone. So we have the Read Anywhere app that's really helpful and students don't have to even have internet access for that. They just need to download it first and then can read it offline. Um, and then most of our other programs like APR and our virtual labs can be done on a phone. We don't recommend it, again, that's small screen space, but it is possible with the browser on a phone. And so other than lack of resources, I think, as I mentioned earlier, just be sure you set expectations. And one thing that I have seen with some um, students is, is, or the adjuncts is that they were unsure how to replace that three-hour lab with a digital. So be sure just instruction is clear, however you decide to roll out the program that you plan to. So back to that good yeah. communication component. Really, really good advice there, um, you know, in terms of, you know, seeing some of the mistakes and then how you can overcome those. When you think about resources, what are some of the most helpful resources that you've seen that will help faculty with online teaching in general? Oh, yeah. So use your LMS. I think number one is use your LMS uh, to the capacity that you can. And then find an auto-graded platform like McGraw-Hill's Connect. Uh, of course, I'm biased to Connect. Uh, but it will allow you to organize your assignments. And then when you sync that with the LMS, the students just have one place to go. Um, also, the lab tools within Connect for McGraw-Hill are all in one place. So one single place for your lab tools as well as your assignments, your exams. So one package, one price. And of course, all the assignments integrate with your LMS to make it for easy grading. So I would say use your LMS, and then one concern is academic integrity uh, with being online. So making sure you have some type of lockdown browser platform or lockdown browser capability so you can create that testing environment away from the classroom. Uh, many schools have Proctorio or Respondus, uh, and Proctorio, as of this summer, has actually been added to all McGraw-Hill products. So um, that are a 2019 copyright and forward. So this is really exciting for us and essentially came at the perfect time with online teaching. So make sure you utilize that. And then I would say a third thing is the lab simulation. So in A&P, as you know, it's important to gain the skills necessary as the students are preparing for their careers and their next phase of the nursing school, perhaps. So assignments really should be realistic and thorough. So one example I have is that you can't use the same toothpick when you're doing the blood typing lab. 
you have to actually throw it away and get a new one every time. So making sure that those items are included in the simulation that you look for, I think is a really important thing. And I've heard great feedback from instructors on that. Like, oh, wow, that, that's really something I wouldn't have thought of including in a simulation, but we would have to do that in the real lab uh, because of contamination. So uh, APR is another one, anatomy and physiology revealed that we have at McGraw-Hill. And, you know, even both of these tools, those virtual labs, as I mentioned, and APR, which is our virtual dissection and is really realistic because they are actual photos of a cadaver. Uh, but when we get back face to face, these labs will serve as a great opportunity, not just for this replacement time, but for preparation uh, for the lab course. So students come to the lab prepared, more efficient, more confident, uh, but also it, it allows them to practice outside as well, outside of the classroom. So those would be my three. Find those lab simulations that are realistic, use your lockdown browser, and then of course use your, your LMS that you already have, whether that's Canvas, Blackboard, or D2L. Yeah, those are great uh, tips. And you know, I'm thinking about Proctorio. You know, I learned a little bit more about that uh, recently, you know, demonstrating that to a group of faculty out on the East Coast that we're going to be using that here for the first time. And, I found it was just really easy to toggle through the settings and really a friendly environment from the instructor side. And then I think it's also very clever and well done for the students as well. So that's a really good tip as is all three of those things you just mentioned for technology. Yeah. Well, I've got a, a fun one for you here, Valerie. So, you know, I oh, know boy. you and I've talked a lot over the years with uh, specimen shortages. So, you know, the, they happen from time to time. And I think the most notable you know, that comes up consistently is the cat shortage. And you have anatomy and physiology revealed, you referred to that as APR. Um, what versions of APR exist today? And then how do they fit in this big online world? Oh, yes. And that, it's actually, Jim, that's a really great example of when resources are limited and these tools aren't just a replacement for when teaching online, but they're useful throughout the semester as a fill-in or extra practice. So. APR is within all of our AMP textbook and lab courses within Connect. But then we also have the standalone program, which includes a human version, cat version, and a fetal pig version. So uh, APR is organized by system, and all of those versions house virtual dissections, animations, histology, radiology, and now we have 3D models even in the program. So, yeah, so the cat uh, dissection can help if they can only get a few of them and they might need to share, um, but also having the human version so they can see the relationship between what they're doing with the cat, perhaps, but then also seeing what they're going to see in their future careers with the human version. Yeah, I've been around APR for a long time, thankfully, and the 3D models that you guys have incorporated recently, I think that is just such a significant, like, improvement for that program. Are you excited about that? Oh, yeah. So we currently have, well, I mean, it's just, it's so cool because you don't even think about, you take for granted that, oh, we have these great photos, but you can't move them and you can't see the backside of something. So those flat images are really limiting. So we've added, right now we have the head and neck as a 3D model. We also have the heart 
and the thorax is getting ready to be launched uh, later, well, I'm sorry, next month. We're not in October yet. And then we will have the abdomen that goes live in early 2021. So we're slowly building those out, but they are very exciting and very useful. Ah, that's perfect. Now, one thing you and I have also talked a lot about is you have a very robust digital faculty consultant program. We refer to those uh, people as DFCs for us. What is their role in your overall program? Oh, yes. Great question. Because as I mentioned earlier, Nahil Awadala, he is a DFC for us. And we have several. And thank you if you're a DFC listening. Thank you for all that you do. They are really instructors with a wealth of knowledge, and they've likely been teaching for a long time, uh, but they're also experts in the digital world. Uh, so they've been either teaching online or have just incorporated digital into their classroom. Typically, they have used Connect, uh, APR, as we just mentioned. Um, all of them are trained on virtual labs as well and, and more. So they use, they create assignments using Connect and because they have actually used it in the classroom, unlike you and I, Jim, uh, <laughs> we know the ins and outs of Connect, but we've not actually taught a 400-person lecture, for example, and how you manage that. So they are able to chat with you as instructors and share their experiences and what's worked for them, maybe what hasn't, maybe some tips and tricks that they have, uh, this is just a, as what they've gained of experience over the years. So. They are here as an extension of our team to really work with instructors like you to have the best success in your classroom. So they're available anytime. You just reach out to us and we'll make sure you get set up with a one-on-one -on -one meeting or a faculty instruction or anything that you might uh, desire for that. Yeah, that's just awesome. And, you know, a lot of those DFCs have been on this show and sharing their expertise, like you mentioned, and they're just uh, really probably the best statement you had right there was they're a part of our team. And uh, what a great group of people. So if you're a DFC and you're listening, thank you for all that you're doing for us and our program and for education in general. You guys are the real heroes. We love you guys. Yes. Okay, Valerie, I think I'm jamming you up on time. So I've got one last question for you. Um, and this is uh, really kind of a softball for you in some ways, but how can you and your team help faculty get online fast? Oh, it's been a busy summer. Oh, so we have helped a lot of, uh, a lot of you get online uh, pretty quickly. And back in March, holy, we had so many uh, instructors that we helped. It was really an awesome time to be a part of something where we were helping people and, and doing something just more meaningful in our work. And it was it was just awesome. Well, every day at McGraw-Hill, it does feel like we have a purpose. And so that was exciting to have that experience. I think we were working around the clock as were you instructors working to make the change. But we're, all, we're always excited to get you the tools and make sure that you have the help you need during this transition of COVID, but not just this time, at always. So if you'd like to learn more, uh, reach out to your local rep. And if you don't know who that is, or um, please just send me an email. I am always here to help. Or a phone call. My, my email is Valerie.Kramer at MHEducation.com. Or give me a phone call at 563-580-3828.
And I will always be sure to call you back if I don't get you. But a few other things we will be doing this fall is we, the past couple of months, we held some implementation webinars just on these tools we've talked about. Uh, but we're also here for any one-on-one -on -one meetings. So if you just want to chat or want to learn more, just let me know. And we'll be holding more webinars in late October and throughout November. And we'll be sharing some really cool updates coming in Connect, but also just it's a great opportunity to see how things work live. So um, I know the word Zoom is not a mystery to anyone. So uh, we can jump on a call and show you one-on-one uh, -on -one or in a group some of these tools that could hopefully help in the success of your A&P course. Valerie, everything that you've done personally and then your entire team has been remarkable during this time period. And, and I just wanted to say thank you on the behalf of all the people that you've helped, all the many webinars you've had, phone calls, text messages. I know it's been a very long season for you and your teams, uh, but really the work that you've been doing has been just remarkable. So thank you very much for that. Well, thank you, Jim, and thanks for all your leadership. Uh, it, it takes an army sometimes, right? <laughs> it, it sure does. And, and with that, I regret to tell you that we're going to be closing out this show today. But before I do, uh, we're going to have a couple things here that I think are a little bit unique and special. And by the way, I didn't run these by Valerie, so hopefully they're okay. They'll <laughs> be fun. So Valerie mentioned uh, somewhere towards the tail end of this podcast what uh, the new 3D model was going to be on, and it's going to release in the month of October, right, Valerie? Yes, that's right. Don't tell them what it is, though. They're going to have to, we're going to see if you're listening. For the first two people that email Valerie Kramer at mheducation.com with the correct answer of the 3D model that's going to release in October, we are going to provide for you a $25 gift card. We'll figure out whether it's Amazon or something like that, but it'll be a $25 gift card, something good for you, just to see. We like to call these things Easter eggs, but thought that would be kind of a cool thing to do, Valerie, and then you know, just let me know who those two people are. That'll be kind of fun. And then to end here, we have a request of you as our listener. First of all, we appreciate you. This show doesn't exist without you, the listener. And if you get a chance, wherever you're consuming your podcast, but I know iTunes really looks favorably upon reviews. So if you don't mind, if you have like maybe five or 10 minutes, it'd mean the world to Valerie. If you could just write a review, hopefully it's a positive kind review um, on there, but leave that for us on iTunes. That'll help us kind of zoom up the rankings. And uh, we really appreciate your time listening to this episode of the Succeeding AP Podcast. This is Jim Conley. It has been a, so much fun spending the, uh, what was it, about 25 minutes here with you, Valerie. Absolute <laughs> blast. Thank you for having me on the show. And is there anything you'd like to say before we cut off? Just thank you all so much for all you're doing out there in the world of education. And we know fall semester is not going off without a challenge, but I am sure that you're doing fabulous out there. And we thank you. And we're here for you. Thank you so much, Jim. You bet. Have a great day, Valerie. You too. Thank you.